This week, making our way up through rural British Columbia to Stuart Heider and a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. Fall is coming. Let's get going. L.L. Bean wants to help you make the most out of this spectacular season with gear tips and advice for heading outdoors. For fall hikes, when it's cold in the morning and warm in the afternoon, layering becomes very important. You don't want to get chilled and you don't want to sweat through your clothes either. A good rule of thumb is to start out dressed as if the temperature is 10 degrees warmer than it is. So once you start generating body heat, you won't get overly hot. For more tips, easy how-tos, and inspiring stories, visit llbean.com guide. Welcome to episode number 290 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two RVers who, along with our three boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, have been crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip since 2016. Here at RV Miles, we talk all things industry news, travel destinations. I lost my train of thought. Our national parks and a whole lot more. There you go. Thank you so much. This... (laughs) is what this episode is going to be like. I think that was our fifth or sixth attempt to get this thing started. Uh, Plus a whole (laughs) lot of time getting ready for this episode, trying to remember places we were and what order we went to them and all that sort of stuff. But we are excited here to talk to you about our our real first journey up through Canada. Uh, It was... It was a really interesting experience, and uh, I I think we have a lot to share about uh, how different that is from traveling through the U.S., because it it is quite different. Uh, But first, I I wanted to start off the show today with reading a, a Facebook post, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Do you mind? No. I found this post in the Facebook group. It wasn't our group. I didn't ask for permission, so I'm just, I'm not going to say <laughs> who said it, but I, I want to read it. Hope you all had a great Labor Day weekend. My neighbors have so many people at their site and have been up late all weekend. Their dogs have barked nonstop. Other side is all kids that have been up since 6 a.m. making noise and playing in the street. The park is packed with people and it's been nonstop commotion since I got here. This is what I signed up for. I'm loving every minute of it and couldn't be happier. Enjoy your holiday weekend, everyone. I just love that because it it is such a turn on the 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 typical complaints that we often read. And we all know that like a lot of times people go on social media just to complain. And if they're having a positive experience, that's not a judgment or anything, but a lot of times if we're having a positive experience, we we don't go mention it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think that to me, that has always been my feeling. I see all these posts about dogs barking nonstop and kids screaming. And those are things that I have never noticed. And I, but particularly like when you in a campground like this that we're in right now, it's a typical state city county park style campground where you've got sites that are an okay distance from each other but it is a communal atmosphere where everybody's around there was a lot of people having a big shindig over here a couple sites down from us last night that's why people come here they're 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 having a good weekend out especially over a holiday weekend and i think it's not about whether you like that stuff or not but if you're gonna camp sometimes you just have to embrace that and like 
change your mindset from the sound of kids screaming, grating at you to it's the joyful sound of kids that don't have a care in the world playing outdoors instead of being on electronics uh, and on the internet and video games and all that. They're outdoors on bicycles and doing sidewalk chalk and all that sort of stuff. And how wonderful is that? Oh, I couldn't agree more. In fact, when I read that, I thought, oh, this is lovely. This totally caught me because I thought that we were going to be reading another sort of complaint comment. And I think you're absolutely right, especially on holiday weekends. I feel such a different vibe at a campground on a holiday weekend, be that Fourth of July, Memorial Day, Labor Day. The vibe is different. This is a packed space. Everyone is on vacation. You're feeling good because you've got a few days, extra days off from work. And there's just a sense of joy. And if you can't tell or hear, the rain is starting to pick up as we're talking and the wind is starting to pick up. It's a different sense sense of joy. A a different thing you have to (laughs) accept and the, the, the fall in the Midwest, it's wonderful fall camping weather, which sometimes is going to mean cold rain. Yes. Cold rain being my least favorite weather there is. And you might be thinking, <laughs> Abby and Jason, wait, wait, wait. What are you doing at a campground? Well, we did book a couple of weeks. And actually, the story of that will be my black tank for this episode, but we did book into a campground because we wanted to get Bexie over to a campground so we could do some much needed cleaning on the inside and some organizing. And there's a county park here that we really like in the area. So that's just easier to do when you're plugged in and you've got the air conditioning going and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Not that we need the air conditioning today. No. The rain came in early this morning, and we are trying to really um, get on a schedule. Ooh, look, Jason and Abby are talking about a schedule again. I know. Everybody just started laughing, spit out their coffee laughing, but we're trying to be be a little bit better. So we said, nope, we're recording this. We're going to put the awning out. doesn't matter if it's raining. We got this. It's just weather. So if you hear the pitter-patter of rain or every once in a while uh, the wind picks up and More likely you're going to hear this wind. Hopefully yeah. the camera doesn't get wet. But okay. uh, the camera is it, wet. It is not wet. <laughs> it, <but laughs> the camera it, isn't Hopefully it doesn't wet. get wet or I guess, yeah, so is we, what I'm going to say. <laughs> we are back in a campground for the next couple of weeks. And actually when we rolled in last night and we parked and... and put backseat, put all this stuff out and everything. Um, it felt nice. Yeah. It felt nice to go inside. It felt just nice to be in this campground. When the last time we were here, we had the Sabre. And boy, does the Ibex look a whole lot different in this spot than the Sabre did when it was here last year. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? The campground is meant to be a good time for everyone. Everyone's experience at a campground is a little bit different. Of course, there are lines that can be crossed. That is not to say that we should just have to tolerate behavior that goes above and beyond perhaps campground rules or campground etiquette. That's not at all what we're saying. But I loved how you put, try to change your mindset from the negative of kids out early having a great time to the positive that kids are out early having a great time that families big families are all together you know last night like Jason mentioned they were watching Sunday night football football season is back 
and a whole family was out there. They were having a great time. It was such a joyful sound to hear, especially coming off of a bear's loss <laughs> yesterday, which was quite painful. Uh, but I think when you switch from the negative mindset to trying to find the positive, the glass half full, you start to see the camping experience in a whole different light. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, we've always sort of felt that there, there's sort of even just not holiday weekends, but just regular weekends. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between, uh, you know, the laid back, easy atmosphere of like the Monday through Thursday and then people start pulling in for the weekend, the weekend campers, especially if you're in an area where uh, there's a, a municipality nearby where people come in for the weekend. And I, I enjoy that it's different throughout the mm -hmm. week. I enjoy that it's not always the same. We always say that we enjoy all sorts of different camping experiences. There, there are people that are boondockers exclusively. There are people that are national parkers exclusively. Uh, we, we love a big mix of everything. We love the big expensive RV resorts. We love camping in the middle of nowhere. Um, Basically, we like options, yeah. and I hope options stick around. And as many people commented after uh, last week's episode, because, boy, did I up some, upset some people with my Mountain Dew. You did. Uh, I, wow. Don't, don't come at their Mountain Dew. I did not realize the kind of fan following the Mountain Dew had, but you guys, you do. Look, as many of you said, you do you. The point being, though, and I mean, we. I think, look, I like Mountain Dew. <laughs> the the point being i think we can all agree i hope we can all agree that it is absolutely terrible for you <laughs> like i really hope we all understand the the point being like we're picking at the things that are in the water when we're fine with just downing <laughs> gallons of pure raw sugar you know <laughs> mixed every, with caffeine everybody's but. got their vice uh so again you do you, whether that's how you enjoy the campground or the occasional soda that you like to indulge in. Uh, that's the beauty of RVing is that you get to create an environment that is one you find joy in. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're going to take a break. I and... need a jacket. It got really cold <laughs> out here. You got to cover up that awesome shirt. I Yes. I Hey, if you're watching this, you probably noticed then that I have on a Josh the RV Nerd t-shirt today. I am part of the Nerd Herd on this episode, Josh sent a couple of these over to Jason and I, including the Camp Daddy t-shirt that you may have seen Jason sporting in the most recent news video. Josh is determined to make fetch happen. He is determined <laughs> to make Camp Daddy stick. So if, if you just go over to watch the news video just to see Jason in that shirt from Josh, it's quite enjoyable. Uh, and we do anticipate returning the favor to Josh here very soon on his videos over on his channel, which is an exceptional channel, and you should go check it out if you haven't already. All right, Abby's going to go put a jacket on, and then we're going to come back and talk about traveling up through Canada. We will be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Park Wolf app. Ever found yourself in the heart of a national park, surrounded by beauty, but unsure where to go or what to see? That's where Park Wolf comes in. Park Wolf is the ultimate app for exploring national parks. As you drive, the GPS shows you what's coming up on the road, and an audio guide will fill you in on what's there so you can decide if it's worth a stop for you or not. Gas running low, looking for a bite to eat or a bathroom break? 
ParkWolf's got you covered. It keeps track of the nearest gas station, restrooms, food, and pullover areas. And the best part, it works without an internet connection. And if you're a wildlife enthusiast, you'll love ParkWolf's wildlife maps and sighting notifications. So before you set off on your next national park adventure, download the ParkWolf app for your iPhone from the App Store. It's your ultimate guide to national parks. Chances are you've seen them on the road. That's because Blue Ox designs and manufactures the best towing products in the industry. Just look around. You'll find them on highways and campgrounds and anywhere you find people traveling in the great outdoors. Award-winning tow bars, base plates, and brakes. A full line of weight distributing hitches. Adjustable ball mounts and a new line of fifth wheel hitches. With Blue Ox, towing doesn't have to be a drag. To learn more about how Blue Ox can make your travel adventures even more stress-free, visit blueox.com. All right, folks, welcome back to the show. Before we dive into this recap, we just want to remind you guys really quick of the America's National Parks podcast and kind of put a little shout out out there. If you are subscribed to the show, that's awesome. If you're not, we would love if you would go over and subscribe. You can get it anywhere that you listen to the RV Miles podcast. Maybe consider sharing it with a friend or, of course, leave that all important rating. I think we've talked a lot about what ratings do for RV Miles podcast. They do the exact same thing for America's National Parks. And we really want to give our writers over there more of an opportunity to have their work listened to. We have some really beautiful writers for America's National Parks. And this latest episode is absolutely no exception to that. Yeah, this this one was written by our friend Lauren Eisenberg Davis, who's fantastic. She travels the country and goes to all sorts of national parks and uh, this one is about Mammoth Cave. Mammoth Cave actually was one of our very first episodes. Yep. I think our very first episode it of, was. of the National Parks podcast. And this one, though, in particular, is is about the history as sort of a place for people to recover from or, or be hopefully cured from consumption uh actually it didn't work out not many people were cured from consumption ever consumption ended up being called later tuberculosis um now it's totally curable uh but still many many people die of it unfortunately due to limited access to uh healthcare around the world but uh but tb was such a bit it, it it's it's killed more than like uh, there's some crazy stat like more than half of all people that have ever lived Whoa. It's a it's a wild stat, um, but there was a doctor who bought Mammoth Cave, and intended to turn it into a hospital to help people be cured from consumption, uh, and uh, they would sort of wander the halls and they would be accessing the other uh, the other tourists that were there would come in contact because people didn't know that it was a communicable disease they thought you were just kind of born with it so they're all still transferring it back and forth to people and of course the reason it didn't work out not to spoil the episode but was it's dark in mammoth cave and they had to have fires and torches lit all the time and these people that had this this disease that was affecting their lungs were just breathing in smoke all day. Just, it's really <laughs> wild when you think about, you know, this is one of the things we try to do with America's national parks is our 
national parks, our public lands, are so much more. The story behind why we're preserving and protecting these places is so much more than maybe that one big thing that it is known for. And this is really something that has fueled us over there for the three years now that we have been doing this. I think even actually longer. We've been doing this podcast now for five years, actually. Five years, years, three years, five years. We've just reached 250 episodes of Wow. Okay. Well, it's catching up with RV Miles then. So 250 episodes of just telling the stories that are underneath all of these beautiful places that make them a part of the fabric of this country. And so if you have not had a chance to go over there and listen, we would love to have the RV Miles community joining us over on America's National Parks as well. I will link to where you can subscribe in the show notes for this episode at rvmiles.com slash 290. Let's move on. Let's move away from let's, the United States and we'll talk about Canada. Yeah, <laughs> let's go talk about Canadian public lands for a little bit. And so we left on the last episode uh, where we talked about our travels. That was episode 288. We had just spent time in Fort Langley, which was one of my most favorite places. I absolutely loved it there. And so we headed out to cross 890 miles to get to Stewart, British Columbia, Hyder, Alaska. So we're going to talk about our time in Stewart, Hyder on the next episode. But because our travels to get there were so rich as we started to put this episode together, we realized that it's just too much. Yeah. To talk about it, this and put Stuart Hyder in here, we'd all be here for two hours. It's and it's not about any like special sites that we saw, any special parks that we went to. It's just, it was just a journey through Canada that was really interesting. And I think the thing that I came away with is that BC is, is sort of rural enough that it is, it's very much like what traveling through the U.S. Uh, used to be like for a lot of RVers where you don't have to make as many reservations. There are lots more places to sort of pull off. There are lots of uh, provincial parks that that are right by the roadway and are 20 bucks a night and you just pull in and, and stop. It's mm-hmm. kind of that back to that type of travel, which I think is cool. But we ended up going this direction. Highway 5 to 16 up to the Stuart Cassiar. The, the whole purpose was... Uh, we had rerouted due to the fact that there were wildfires going on through Alberta and some of BC, and we wanted to steer clear from those as much as possible. Yeah, we wanted to stay away from the smoke. And this is, again, something you're going to hear us talk a lot about, and this is flexibility. So we had all of this mapped out that we were going to go start at mile marker zero. We were going to get on the Alaska Highway. And as we got closer to that day, especially as we crossed into Canada and we were in Fort Langley, we started to kind of discuss the fact that maybe that's not the best option, that we could find ourselves getting into potentially some wildfire situations that we didn't really want to have to deal with. And so we went this other route knowing that we had heard stories that this might be a little bit more difficult. We didn't find this route to be any more difficult than traveling one exclusively. and we'll Because talk- we came back that way. So yes. we know both ways now. Yes, yeah. now we know both ways. <laughs> and we will talk about that in a future episode. But we wanted to just focus on this portion here because this is really, I think, what embodies a lot of what this trip was for us. And if I'm 
honest, I think that this section of travel and up the uh, Stuart Cassier Highway may have been my favorite bits of travel. I think that Canada can often get overlooked as we're all pushing for Alaska. I know our time is so precious and we want to get there. I cannot stress enough, though, that I think Canada just deserves its own recognition and its own acknowledgement of just how beautiful yeah, I, this I country is. Our, our, my biggest takeaway from this entire trip is that I want to get back to Canada yeah. and spend more time in Western Canada um, and, and go and to Eastern some Canada. That we go to. Well, and the Far East, but that's oh. a, we haven't even cracked the surface on right. that yet. So, anyway, let's talk about this <laughs> moment here. So, we took off and we took about, I do believe it was about three days to go from Fort Langley to uh, Stewart. So you have to remember that we're also working at this time. Kids are all still in school. So we're covering we're, we're covering ground a little bit slower. Probably four in order. days of travel, three nights of stops, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So a few things we want to mention here. So we took off and we had a little bit of a stop in Yale. And we only pulled off for a second. Uh, there's just a little like rest area that you can stop at. They had like a, a little convenience store if you needed fuel, but they also have a little historic town. And of course that piqued my interest. And I walked down the hill and I wanted to check it out. It was closed for the day. But if you have the time and you want to get some sort of sense of really like the gold rush and the, and what really built Canada to, you know, be kind of like what we know it is today, right? You want to really spend some time like maybe stopping at these places and getting to explore how these towns came to be and the hardships. I mean, it's so fascinating. This will be a, a theme, I think, a lot when we talk about this part of Canada and as we go into Alaska, the hardships for those coming from the East who decided to come in and create these settlements and the gold rush. And it's just how much that changed the landscape here, it's whether <laughs> it changed it for good or bad. That is a whole yeah. other discussion that we're not going to, you know, really equipped to have here on this show. But it's weird to think about, like, how how difficult it is for us to get right. up up through Canada. And, like, all I... people, like, the diff the highways are rough and all that sort of stuff. And imagine what these people in the gold rush era were going through to get from wherever yeah. all I... the way up into the Klondike. I said that to the boys a lot. Like, you know, Bexie's like the modern wagon, right? So this is, like, the modern-day pioneer wagon. And I said it a lot to the boys, like, can you imagine, like, look, we're traveling on this paved road, which every once in a while might have a frost heave or a, a pothole. But can you imagine having to actually chart the path? There wasn't, if you're the first wagon wheels to cut through and make those ruts, like what that must have been like. And like yeah. what... The amount of energy you had to expend. The amount of trees you had to go through. I, it's, you know, <laughs> it puts these highways into perspective. Yeah. I really think when you think about like what had to come before the highways could even be built, right? Yeah. So this is a nice little stop, but we ended up that night stopping at the Mount Begbie Lookout. We found this uh, in the mile marker. 
So again, having that mile marker booklet was like clutch. This like is when we really first started using it. So the mile marker is, it's a big catalog looking booklet that comes out every year. I've talked to a lot of people about this. Um, it is nice to get the new edition that comes out in May of every year, but it doesn't largely change year mm -hmm. to year. There's going to be some little updates here and there. So you can do your, definitely get the new one. If you're heading up to Alaska, get the new one in, in May when it comes out so that you have it. Is it May or is it sooner than that? I don't know. It's sometime in the sure. spring. Uh, but you can do your planning with an older version of it easily for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's a great book. It's like $35, I think. It's $30, um, $35 on Amazon. Yeah. We have it in our Amazon I, shop I so wish, you can go look at it. I wish that, uh, that the rest of the U.S. had uh, booklets like this oh, because yeah. it, it just covers every single stop that you might think of on the way into Alaska and including Alaska. Yeah. So this place that we stopped at was just a, a pull off onto Lookout Road right off of the highway. We stopped there. We boondocked for the night. There is, you can actually hike up to the lookout. It's a pretty steep, like 15 minute walk up. Uh, we did not do it. Jamie and Clay did it. We opted not to. It's this. a fire tower, right? It's a yeah, old a lookout fire tower. tower. Yeah. It's an old lookout and, tower. And this was the first experience that we really had we thought we had already had an experience yeah. with mosquitoes, but this was the first real Canadian Alaskan mosquito experience. This was getting were, out. Oh my gosh. We all had a long debate as to whether or not they were missed because there were so many that we were standing out there talking like, are these actually mosquitoes or are these just like, are they gnats? Are they just kind of yeah. some winged bug? And uh, once everyone started experiencing the effects of standing around these, yeah. what are these? Uh, we realized real quick that these were mosquitoes. This is also <laughs> when I realized that they that they really like. I, 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 for some reason, anywhere we're near mosquitoes, they really like hanging around the hitch area. So yeah. when I go to like yeah, unhook, do. I'm like just there's just always a bunch right there. But this is where I immediately made the decision here. This is where I was like, I'm getting a head net at some <laughs> point. It, it ended, ended up taking me forever to find yeah. a head net and wished I had one throughout this whole journey. Wished I had got it way in advance because um, I wasn't able to get one until I think Fairbanks. Fairbanks, yeah. Yep. So uh, I, 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 it was definitely worthwhile to have a he head net once I had one. Wish I had one here. Yeah. Uh, but the mosquito, the bug spray came into play. And mis the Canadian mosquitoes and Alaskan mosquitoes, I will say, once you get to learn how to work with them, it's a little bit easier. Or are they more? To are understand. They, well, well, <laughs> a little no, they, more pliable, a little they bit don't, more amiable. <laughs> compared to like the mosquitoes that you get in like Florida, Alabama, right? Yeah. They're, they're not as big. They're more plentiful. There are lots of them. The bites are just as bad. Mm -hmm. But they're not as big, so they can't as easily. Oh, Something just headphones. Just I just stepped on the cord for the headphones, <laughs> and it just ripped my neck sideways. That was delightful. All but right. They they have a harder time. I felt biting through clothes, so I felt like clothes protected from them pretty mm -hmm. well. But they would get your you know your your wrists and your ankles and your neck. So if you could cover your head and neck with a, a head net and spray some bug spray on your wrists, yeah. you were probably pretty good to go as long as you were covered to your wrists and ankles. Question. Yeah. Mosquitoes or no seams? Uh, 
which one, if you could only pick one to have to deal with for the rest of your life? No, no CMs are no CMs are worse, but I feel like there are more areas where mosquitoes are more plentiful. Let's just say they're look, they're all everywhere. Okay, it's been it's been an infestation yeah. of mosquitoes and no CMs anywhere you go for the rest well, of your life. Which of the two are you? Which one are you being like? Nope, I'm eradicating that one. And I'm I'll keep getting this rid one. of the no, no CMs yeah, because 100%. they're they're you can't that's the correct you can't answer. See them. They're also There's a reason vicious. they're called no CMs. They're and vicious. they can get through smaller netting and they're they are vicious. They're not they're faster. Like mosquitoes are slow and dumb. So <laughs> if you do see them, you can get them. Like the 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 tennis racket the uh, that they sell at every store in Canada, it's like three dollars. It really works against mosquitoes. Yeah. It's like a it's like a bug zapper tennis racket. I know. Doesn't work against flies. Flies are way too fast for it. No. Mosquitoes it works for it great. Yeah, Jason, by the time we left Alaska was that guy sitting out with his head net and his tennis racket. I was that guy. You were that guy. So this uh lookout that we were just talking about, the Mount Bigby lookout, that's around uh seventy mile house if you want a reference point. What's funny is like there's all these places called like X mile house yeah. or X mile. <laughs> it's literally. But, and you know it's the mile mark, mile but then, marker. But then, of course, everything is in kilometers up there. Uh, it didn't used to be, so there's like this weird dichotomy of that. But there's little, yeah. But that's just for some reference there. So from there, we went on to uh, Quinell, and we just stopped in Quinell. This was another. This is another really great stop. This is something we tried to do on drives like this: is maybe just have a little place that we could stop for a little bit. It be that to have lunch, or just because people needed to use the restroom or to stretch legs, whatever. So we stopped at the visitor center for Quinell. Great visitor center. Yeah, this ended up being kind of like an unexpected gym because there was a huge park associated in the field behind this visitor center. There was a water park, and then there was the playground. And this was the perfect time for the kids to get out, to stretch their legs. We had lunch. Uh, and there's also, back behind the visitor center and up the hill, a coffee shop. And that was also quite the nice, unexpected yeah, yeah, yeah. gem for me. So, you know, the grown-ups, we went up there and got some coffee. And the kids, I think they had smoothies and they had some food there as well. Just some light, at, you know, charcuterie board, some cold sandwiches, things like that. We got some drinks. The kids played at the playground for a little bit. We chilled out for a while, enjoyed the beautiful, you know, sunshiny day, and then got back on the road. And I think, too, that this is another thing about slowing it down a little bit if you can. Slow it down a little bit so that you have the time to stop. And if your stop happens to be where you discover something like this, where especially if you're traveling with kids, they can get out and run around for a little bit and stretch their legs and you can take a walk. And that is, I think, really vital to the success of something like this. Especially as you get further into Canada and it becomes more and more rural and the roads become tougher. It's where reservations start to become detrimental in a way. We were just Mm -hmm. talking to a friend about this uh, last night about how I think, you know, some people that have some of the problems that they have going through Canada um, and and with the roads and, and the damage that they do to their rigs and all that sort of stuff. I think some of that is because 
they're laying out their travels based on the mileage they're used to traveling mm-hmm. in the U.S. And they're they're making reservations and that's causing them to go too fast and go too far. And they're hitting those potholes and they're hitting those frost cubes because they're trying to book it to get to the spot that they were going to go. And if they had just taken their time and moved a little bit slower, it probably would have gone better for them. This is one of those trips where the journey really is just as valuable as the destination. So we moved on from Quinnell and we ended up overnighting in Burns Lake, British Columbia. There's a free city campground there that we overnighted at for the night. A word of caution about this particular city campground is that it is not big rig friendly. We saw one big rig in there and they had the one spot. It was tight for us in in It was. In it um, was very tight for the airstream for Jamie and Clay. Um they were able to make a spot work. And if that spot wasn't available, I don't think we would have made it work at all. No, we probably yeah. would have had to leave. And again, we've said this a couple of times already in past episodes, always have a backup plan to mm-hmm. where you plan to stay and then have a backup to your backup. Yeah, each one of these stops, it, we always were like, this is where we want to stop for the night. We have this as another option, mm-hmm. even another option after that. And... Very often, we didn't choose the first one. Maybe that was because the first one wasn't great, but maybe it was because we felt, oh, we really want to go a little bit further. Yeah, here's the beauty about traveling through Canada to Alaska this time of year, is that you have daylight long, long, long into the night, like, you know, 10, 30, 11. So, you know, not necessarily that you want to drive that late into the night, you know, you want to make sure that you're staying rested during all of this. But if you get to a spot and it's not going to work out, you do still have this long stretch of daylight still that you can safely continue on, go to that next spot, and you don't have to worry about driving in the dark. And especially, again, on these you know back rural roads, highways, in this wilderness land, of course, you're going to be dealing with wildlife. So We never really wanted to be driving at night just to make sure that we stayed as safe as possible out there on the roads and that the wildlife stayed safe as well. So we were able to make Burns Lake work. This is where uh, we did have the great cupcake incident. Yeah, we talked about that on a past episode that we (laughs) found that we we found the next day (laughs) when we arrived at the next stop is there was a cupcake smeared to the front of our truck. (laughs) We think it ended up being there was a birthday party happening at that park. And we think maybe (laughs) someone came over and decided that the front of Fordo, because we actually, our spot was so small that we couldn't put the truck in the spot with us. So this, to give you an idea then, right? So we had a 25 foot RV and we could not have our truck there with us. So we just parked at an overflow parking a few sites down, but someone must have thought that for the front of Fordo looked like a really great spot for their, you know, practicing. I don't know, maybe they were practicing tossing cupcakes. I have no idea, but that is where we ended up having the cupcake. Uh, A nice thing about Burns Lake though, and one of the reasons why we were happy to be able to overnight here is that they do have an exceptionally well put together, clean and strong water pressure, uh, free dump station and potable water fill. And this is also sort of, you know, it it is a real town, a decent sized town with lots of grocery options and things like that, uh, food options. 
that you can go to. And this is sort of one of the last of those. The next one will be the final one, though. Yeah. And I will say, though, again, not don't think Walmart. Don't even think like a small Safeway. Like we're talking just a local grocery store. And we've talked about this in the past, but we do want to encourage you if you do take advantage of a place like a Burns Lake and, a, you know, and then you go and you use their dump station, do try to go into town and maybe just pay it forward by visiting one of the small businesses. There's several coffee shops in there that you could go and get some tea or some coffee or a smoothie, just a get, little bit of breakfast. Just get fuel. You know, yeah. fuel is a, is a good a, a good expense, yeah. especially for uh, for. The, the prices that you will experience <laughs> yes. in Canada. Yes. So it's just a nice way to say thank you to the community for offering that kind of service because really having these options, and this will be the first of two free city or municipal campgrounds we're going to talk about in this episode, having those kinds of options for us RVers heading up to Alaska they're invaluable and we want to make sure that they stick around and that we're good stewards when we're there. So from there, we continued on. We went to Smithers, where we overnighted in a Canadian Tire. This is another option, too, outside of just Walmart's. Uh, Canadian Tire also welcomes RVers to overnight and in their that, parking lot. In fact, this Canadian Tire had a dump station. It did, um, yes. Canadian Tire is a brand of stores that I don't quite understand. It's a little hard to describe. I f- feel like... It is like if you took a small Walmart and got rid of all the groceries uh, and got rid of most of the clothes. Like I don't know. It's like like maybe like an AutoZone plus some camping gear plus some like landscaping stuff. I guess maybe tractor supply is the closest thing I could say is similar. Did you say Party City? Cause you there's can also, also there's a big party city section in there. <laughs> you can also like get balloons and decorations. It's very strange. I was looking for this was around uh, June fifteenth that we were there, so we were getting really close to Henry's birthday. So I remember going in there and looking to see if I could get like yeah. you know some party decorations for Hen. Um, so it is. Uh, I can't, yeah, Canadian Tire is just, it's it's an eclectic, like, you know, when you go to an antique mall or something and there's just like a little bit of everything for everybody, that's kind of what Canadian Tire is. I guess it's like tractor supply with less farm stuff and more household stuff. Sure. There you go. That I think is the best we can describe it. You just have to see it for yourself. From Canadian Tire, once we cleaned off the uh, chocolate cake there, cupcake, I should say, we headed to... Kitwanga, British Columbia. Now, let me say, though, we, before that, that 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 where that that Smithers, where the Canadian Tire was, yes. was probably our last real option to get lots of supplies if we needed to. Yeah, yeah. Like, As we're getting close now to crossing into the last Yukon. last decent sized town yeah. for for a while. So take advantage of that yeah. if you need to. So we had kind of done a decent yeah. amount of stocking up in Fort Langley, and we were we were pretty good, but. Do keep that in mind if this is the route that you're going on. Uh, I also want to preface this and say that we listened to about five different ways that you can say this following uh, town that we stayed in. We do truly hope we're saying this appropriately, but if we're not, uh, we do apologize. Uh, But we headed to Kitwanga, British Columbia. Yeah, it's actually... I, I guess it's the K is actually pronounced with like a G. Get like get, get Wong. Wong. It's like the the actual 
way that the First Nations people pronounce it is something like Gitwangach. Okay. So, so there you go. I, yeah, absolutely though. Don't, you know, go out and, and try to, you know, we're not very good with names as y'all know over the years (laughs) we've, well, I mean, but say Blanco, (laughs) just call it Blanco. Don't tell me it's Blanco. But this, (laughs) this is a town. I still can't let that go. What has that been now? Like five years. (laughs) This is a very small town, uh, like small grocery stores. Uh, there was a, a brand new fuel station that hadn't opened up yet yeah which which plays into what happens next but they had a free city park as again lots of cities do a free or cheap city park no hookups no um but 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 campsites to stay in with like fire rings and stuff yeah um and i think there are eight total it's called the kitwanga municipal campground and we ended up actually staying across the street from it uh, because, again, the couple of sites that were more 30-foot Airstream friendly, which is what Jamie and Clay had, uh, were occupied. And there were some sites yeah. they could have gotten into. It would have been a real tight squeeze. Uh, but the camp host suggested, hey, we've got this open space just that's a part of this just right across the street. It was a better Starlink option, and we could be near each other, too. Yeah, we were able to just park together, and it had a nice, lovely little gazebo where actually Jason did that week's news video from ended up being a really nice spot for us. There was like a little lending library there, take one, give one. Uh, But I want to say, too, that while we were here, as we went to the Gitwanga general store, and that is across the street and this could be another great place to get a few things because I was actually really surprised by the selection in there it was a, a fairly well stocked small little general store yeah I mean that, but you could think of this as like a large convenience store yeah but there they did they did have fresh meats they did yeah. have frozen meats they yeah. you know not just you know perishable canned goods they had fresh fruits and this vegetables is in where there it started to feel like to me like when we were going to the grocery stores in Baja. Yes. It's starting to get more similar to that. Yes. And this would have been a good town for us to fuel up in. And this is where you start to think about fuel, especially if you don't have a lot of range. We're in a gas truck, so a gas vehicle has a lot less range generally than a diesel vehicle. And um, as we began to head out of town, we had an option to turn left to go to a fuel station, and we missed it. We did. This is also, too, where <laughs> you really start to live by, and we're going to tell this full story over on Detour, which mm-hmm. is the after-the-show podcast we do for Mile Marker Plus members. So if you want to hear about how Jason ended up with fuel in his hair, you're going to want to become a Mile Marker Plus member and come over and join us. You can also access all of our past detour episodes we will link in the show notes at rvmiles.com slash 290 on how to become a member but the short Uh, version is the first short version is we did the math knew we weren't going to make make it to the next fuel station this was the first time that the distance between fuel stations was becoming an issue and we so we pulled we pulled over to pull the fuel can out so we used the fuel in the fuel can to make sure that we would get to the next stop and this is sort of where all of our sort of preparations started to become come into play where having 
a, a, a water filter with us, having a, a jerry can full of fuel with us, the, the sort of extra preparations for getting a little bit more remote, having more groceries and all that sort of stuff. This is where at this point, Canada was becoming much more rural and you had to start thinking about things like fuel stations and where the fuel stations are laying out. What time you're arriving at fuel stations, a lot of them close at eight o'clock. So at, at, at this point, it's like, don't pass a fuel station, stop and get fuel so that you don't have to worry about potentially running out if you need it. Yeah. So thankfully, we did end up making it to our next destination, which was going to be Stewart. So Gitwanga sits at the intersection of 16, Highway 16 and Highway 37. So uh, right there is where we officially got onto the Stewart-Cassier Highway and began making that beautiful drive, which I cannot wait to talk about on the next episode. But as you can see, just just talking about going from Fort Langley to what some would consider the next big stop destination, Stewart, if this is the path you're on, just you can see just from this episode how much we experienced and how and I I can't stress this enough. And I know Jason's going to overlay some really beautiful photos if you're watching this. I cannot stress enough how gorgeous the drive is and just how gorgeous this drive is about to become like yeah it's it's so special this is after doing it all this is sort of like this seems sort of minor in terms of the scenery but it still was wonderful and we wished that we could have spent more days in some of these places and and really experienced them a little bit more Um, but you have such a limited window to get up there yeah. So take it in when you have yeah. it, you know, yeah. make sure to, <laughs> the nice thing about not having service while you're driving is that you can't look at this. You can't look at your phone. You have to, you are present. You are so present. And this is really, I think where, um, our, our list of keeping track of all the wildlife is about to start. Yeah. It's going to start in Stewart. And that lack of cellular access um, you know, we were able to stop and pull Starlink out if sure. we really needed to. But that lack of, of cellular access really is where both the Garmin having a satellite-based GPS really helped out and that mile marker book. Because that mile marker book says things like, you know, at this mile, there there's a good chance of seeing wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, detailed. You know, very detailed about what kind of fuel stations you encounter, what kind of camping is available, good pull-offs. Uh, but we also used uh, utilized a lot on the way up iOverlander, the iOverlander mm-hmm. app. We used that a lot in Baja as well. It was really great for the routes up through Canada too. Yeah, uh, just this was, you know, now I, I've said it a thousand times. I'm going to say it one more time. This, to me, is really where the last frontier adventure started, was when we hit, like, where 16 and 37 met, felt like where the last frontier adventure really, truly began. And we're going to pick up on that next week when we share our experience in Stuart Heider with all of you. All right, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll check the level of our tanks. Be right back. Did you know that most mattresses that come with your RV 
are just a placeholder. The manufacturers know this. It costs them like $2 to put them in. In most RVs, they are just meant to show you what a bed looks like. Don't sleep on them. We've been using mattresses by Brooklyn Bedding in our last two RVs. Couldn't be happier. You can choose your thickness and all sorts of different odd RV mattress sizes. And that customization was essential for clearing the bedroom slide in our fifth wheel and for the kids bunks in the new travel trailer. We're sleeping great on real mattresses from a real mattress company in our RV. RVmattress.com offers a 120 night sleep trial along with a 10 year warranty. Plus their products are entirely toxin free and simple to ship and set up. We've even had them ship to campgrounds and you just unroll them and let them expand. The RV Miles community gets 25% off when you visit rvmattress.com slash rvmiles and use the promo code rvmiles. That's rvmattress.com slash rvmiles with promo code rvmiles for 25% off. Our thanks to rvmattress.com for supporting this channel and to you for supporting our sponsors. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It is time to check the level of our tanks. And those are sponsored by our friend over at Matt's RV Reviews, Liquefied Toilet Treatment, the no BS toilet treatment. You can find it in our Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash RV miles. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? I am getting really, I'm getting, I, I'm so over the cost of fast food. And I don't just mean like McDonald's. Um, uh, just the cost of... Maybe counter the, service. The $10 is a... a person level that we have surpassed now. For like we just we just had lunch today. You had at a, at a sandwich chain in the area here called Hungry Hobo. Um, and, you know, similar, I guess, in some ways to Subway. And it's, the same, it's, it's a worse issue at Subway. You go to Subway and look at the prices of some of those sandwiches now. They're, it's, like, it's like over $10 for just the sandwich. I mean, is Patrick Mahomes aware of the amount I, that Subway? I mean, obviously he is because I think Subway's had to hike up. There are prices to afford. Have you seen the celebrities they get oh in their my gosh. commercials? Your, all your money is going to celebrities. It's like it's. We can't just have one. We can't have Patrick Mahomes in no. in a commercial. We have to have fourteen different NFL players. It's in a commercial. unbelievable. You're every time you order one of their new like triple decker Philly cheese steak, sweet onion teriyaki filled with I don't know a baked potato on the side. You literally are paying Patrick Mahomes well, a salary. And that's how they get you too. Is that like it's always an additional cost for the drink and the chips and if you want that sort of stuff. And I I it's just blowing my mind how much counter service food is costing particularly in relation to like a sit-down chain restaurant so i've talked about this in the past before where i sometimes feel like i'm getting a better deal going to a place like <laughs> chilies or applebee's <laughs> because <laughs> because it's like the prices aren't that much worse than Listen, fast food these days as one who has worked at an Applebee's and who made sure her job was to make sure you were eating good in the neighborhood. Uh, I, it's real hard for me to ever be like Applebee's 
is my it's real hard for me to be like that's my number one pick. no that's like me trying to be like let's go eat at Bennigan's because I've worked at <laughs> Bennigan's too and no, uh, I, I, I could never step back into a Bennigan's and I don't love Applebee's <laughs> but you know it's one of those things where like on travel days sometimes or if we're in a new community sometimes the decision fatigue sets in and you don't want to go find that new restaurant you just want to go no. somewhere you know the kids will eat yeah that's what it is food. no that's what it is let's be honest it's not decision fatigue because you and I'll go eat anywhere I will I will eat at any restaurant at least once it is the kids and their need the bulk of our children their need for some sort of dairy and carb be that in the form of a log that's dropped into a fryer with some marinara sauce on the side or some noodles covered in cheese and, like or, and something that, and you know, they they all three have things that they individually won't eat or don't like or or really want, yeah. and they're all different from each other. And none of them are like uh, two of them shouldn't be, but the one that should still be ordering off the kids' menu refuses to order off the kids' menu. Like the kids' menu is always the best deal at a restaurant. They're like, hey, here's here's a giant adult size meal. But we're going to give it a juice box and we're going to call it a kid's meal. And we're only going to let 10 and, yeah. 10 and younger order it. So our kids don't do that anymore. Half the time I'm like, I'm just going to order a kid's meal. <laughs> and I'll just eat it. But, so but it is. It, it just yeah. ends up being, it ends up being for like $10 more, yeah. such a better experience for like a quick stop. Even though it's not as quick than going to somewhere like Subway where I feel like I can eat healthier at Chili's than a lot of counter service places. I feel like I'm wow, eating more is, affordably. That is quite the compliment to Chili's because I think we've talked about this in the past. Remember Look, when we went with my brother Jordan and he ordered that oh, one meal that was like four. It's like the four. It's like the calories. four. The four chicken and waffles, yes. chicken strips on waffles, and it was like it was like twenty eight hundred calories. Yes, but that's I got, a compliment. Look, to I get. Say that about Chili's. I get the the little. The little eight ounce steak, and yes, and some and some asparagus on the side. That's like six hundred calories. My favorite and thing. It's a full meal. My favorite thing about you at a restaurant is if it says seasonal vegetables. What? You're, you're what's the like, season? Like it's. You're like, what is? What is your seasonal it's, vegetable? The please? answer is it's always broccoli. <laughs> but if which it, is the one vegetable I don't want, but it's always broccoli. No, don't say that. You also will literally like. You will literally side eye if they're like, "Oh, it's zucchini and squash." It's never zucchini and squash. Oh, it's, that's it's always an inaccurate statement, it, it but is, that's fine. It is always going to be broccoli, uh-huh. carrots, or it's going, which I love. I do Wait, love carrots. Carrots. When was the last time we were anywhere that someone said their seasonal well, vegetable was it, carrots? It, it's often a, it, it's because it's often a mixture of broccoli, carrots, and cauliflower. I yes, that is a common Which don't, mixture. Don't, but don't I give don't, me don't give me your seasonal crap because I know that is frozen. <laughs> because <laughs> I see your great value bag back there. Don't come at me. <laughs> no, fair enough. I've just never been anywhere where someone's been like, yes, the uh, or green seasonal beans. Vegetable or it's often green beans. I'll, is, I'll do green beans. I know you will. I'll do green beans. I'll do asparagus. Will you do I, peas? I, I, I don't peas mind carrots. I, I don't mind peas in things. I don't like peas on their own. Yeah. So basically, Jason will do one seasonal vegetable. 
<laughs> no, two, I'm sorry. Green beans and asparagus. I'll get through anything. I just don't want broccoli. Yeah. Just, you know, just, just, this is true. Or or any, you don't want squash. You don't like squishy. You don't like squishy. Because I made a, I don't I made mind a squishy spectacular carrots. zucchini summer squash, onion, zucchini saute, and squash are fresh out of a garden from the neighbors. This zucchini was like longer than my arm. It squash felt like. and gourds are the they're the melon that of vegetables to me. If you give me a fruit Jason. cup, don't make it all melon, okay? Give me some fruit. Give me some grapes. Give me some strawberries. Don't make it all Melon. Don't. Just like that, don't give me your mixed vegetables and say it's all this squash. Basically, you're picking the cheapest large vegetable or large fruit and chopping it up. So basically, Jason's black tank today, y'all, just went from... It's everything. The- just, I don't... <laughs> just, I hate just, life. Okay. Oh my my fresh tank... <laughs> You need to walk that back. <laughs> Don't hate life. You you dislike seasonal vegetables strongly. I dislike, dislike the word choices that certain companies make. So don't worry if you come to homecoming, if we see you in a few weeks at the, the homecoming seasonal event, vegetables there, will not be there broccoli. Will be no, there will be no seasonal vegetables. Okay, there <laughs> we'll be lucky if there's vegetables. There might be a, there might be a veggie tray. There will be corn. <laughs> Does that count as a vegetable? <laughs> I don't know. Great debate. There will be pizza, maybe with a veggie tray. I, I who knows. <laughs> I used to think corn was a vegetable. It's not. It's grain. It's obviously it's clearly a grain. It's a grain. It's I mean, clearly. which technically legally, oh, no. I guess, is a vegetable. But Jason, we don't have this kind of time. Kay. What is in your fresh tank? My fresh tank is there is this big move in the RV industry. I've talked about on the last couple news videos to. Um, do a couple things when it comes to the models that they're putting out this year for 2024 models. Decontenting them is sort of the buzzword going around the industry, which basically remo- means removing features. And you might wonder why that would be in my fresh tank. And that's because I don't like features. They're often crap. They're often making this sound black, like a black tank, <laughs> but they're often just stuff that is, that, that, Costs the manufacturers nothing, very little, and it doesn't really add much value to you. Things like outdoor speakers. You don't need outdoor speakers in an RV. They are all universally terrible speakers. They're placed in terrible spots. They're annoying to connect the Bluetooth and all that sort of stuff. You're much better off with a port. Like Ibex gives you, because, because so many people insist on having outdoor speakers. Like they go through that list on the website and they check off, mm-hmm. I want outdoor speakers. Ibex is like, well, fine, we're going to give you a portable JBL speaker. Yes. It just comes with it. And that's how we get around that. And that's the way to do it because those are way better speakers. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that they're pulling back on because they're trying to bring down the cost. They know that there is a segment of RVers or wannabe RVers that are not getting served by these high MSRP units because the MSRPs have inflated so much. All the manufacturers have been adding so much over the last few years to all these units. So they're pulling back on some of that stuff and you're going to start seeing new lines of stuff at different manufacturers that is more base level. Winnebago has introduced their new access line of travel trailers, which are still very, very decent uh, set of features, decent quality, uh, but it's, it's at a more affordable price. 
without as many bells and whistles. Without as many bells and whistles. Keystone is is putting out their classic series. Uh, you're going to find ver- various different Keystone brands called different things. Uh, but they're they're making a more basic level line of a lot of Keystone brands to make them a little bit more easier for folks to afford. I wonder if we're going to see a major shift at Tampa this year. Uh, it's it's happening are, right now yes, at Hershey. I'm the sure Hershey it is. RV show is this week. Uh, and the, the, a lot of this stuff is being shown there for the first time at Hershey. Yeah. So I anticipate then that Tampa is really my hope for Tampa is that we're going to see a shift in what they bring, what they bring to display and to really start showing off these more entry level accessible RVs uh, and maybe take a little break from the seasonal vegetable of RV for a while and give Jason more of the green bean type RV that he's looking for. More choice is always better when it comes to vegetables or RVs. <laughs> choice choice is a good thing and having more options, yes. not just, I mean, I mean that genuinely not having 10 brands selling the exact same floor plan with the exact same features at the exact same price. Yes. No, we don't need that. Yeah. Okay. All right. What is in your black tank this week? Uh, so my black tank actually goes to me and we're going to keep this conversation going. Uh, I had alluded earlier about some of the campground drama that we had had getting (laughs) over here. So we talk a lot, like this is something that happens with Jason and I a lot. We often have about 27 different scenarios for one thing. Like, okay, are we going to do it on this day, this day, this day? How do we want this all to go down? So when we were talking about bringing Bexy over here, we had initially discussed that we were going to get a a two-week went a two-week rental. We were going to be here for 14 days. It's the max that you can be at this county park. And in my mind, that is what I believed this entire time we've been doing. We had this conversation back in July, and I booked this campground. At some point between the conversation I remember us having, we had another one. And that conversation, we decided we were only going to do one week. And that's what I booked. And I actually booked it for the 17th of this month. And we arrived here a week early. And we showed up on the 10th. <laughs> and we rolled in. Uh, and this black tank is to me for what is a habit and something I'm working very hard at, despite having access to an online calendar, access to a paper calendar. I have two of them actually now in front of me. I sometimes, we talk about things, I get them done quickly because I got to do it right now because we're thinking about it. And if I don't do it, I'll forget about it. And I don't write it down. And then I I forget about it and I go off into my world and I continue living July and August. And I'm not thinking about September until September gets here. So I didn't write this down. I just had it in my head that we were coming here for two weeks, September 10th through the 24th. That's when we were going to be here. So we pull in, I pull up the reservation and I'm like, Wait, Jay, why does this say 917? When did we talk about that? And so thankfully, thank you to this being the time of year. And also another beautiful thing about, you know, local county parks. We were able to, I went in and I talked to them. There were several first come first served sites that we could pick from. So we were able to just go ahead, pick a first come first served. We're going to have to move uh, on the 17th to go over to to our site that I booked. But 
There's it plenty is, of sites available, so it's plenty not of sites. Issue, it worked but. out fine. It always works out. Yeah. Even if we had had to take the RV back to where we were storing it at our friend's house, it would have all worked out fine. Everything works out in the end. It may not be exactly the way you want it to be, but everything truly does work out in the end. Uh, but the black tank is really about what I hope will stop being a season for me where I am consistently forgetting like and this is something I'm actually you know going to be talking to my doctor about here pretty soon is that the my inability to recall things anymore the brain fog is just even the brain fog to the point of like write it down Abigail is just it's I I've forgotten it before I even remind myself to write it down so it was incredibly frustrating to show up here and not have this campsite so uh black tank to me for not writing things down and hopefully um lesson learned and I'll be a little bit better about it what is in your fresh tank okay my fresh tank is I have a band recommendation for y'all I have some music you need to be listening to over the weekend we went out to this super cool music venue called Codfish Hollow out in Makokota Makokota Iowa Iowa. I'd never been out there before apparently there's caves out there too that are Mm -hmm. quite interesting uh we went out to see this band. It was a big music festival for the day, but the headliner is a band called Susto, S-U-S-T-O. I have been deep diving obsessed with this band for like the last six months. I friggin' love them. They are this really beautiful mix of like, well, they're from Charleston, South Carolina, so they've got like this blues, grass, folk, country rock i'm sure there's an official like latin influences there's all kinds of it's it's really great uh really great really incredible songwriter the lead singer is their songwriter uh really drawing on some incredible experiences within his own life uh hardships within his own life uh i have just really sort of found a lot of comfort in this band. I just, I'm really, really enjoying them. And they put on two out. they played for two hours. First off, they didn't even go on to like 1020. They played for two hours and it was two of the best hours of music. It is so exciting when you find a band that when you listen to the album and it, the album is so incredibly good, And then you go to see them in concert. There is nothing more disappointing than when the musicianship does not match up live as it does. Or like when the sound is bad, the sound system's bad and everything. And this all came together in a perfect... And and kudos to like this venue. This this venue is... It's a barn in the middle of a cornfield, but it's a really cool like arched barn and it's just an amazing spot. They have food tr- food trucks and and beer stalls and and uh, and vendors of like boutique sort of crafty gifts. It's just a really great place to go see a concert. And you can camp there. Yes. So they have about a quarter mile away from the venue, and they're going to shuttle you back and forth. Uh, they have a whole area where you can just come out and primarily tent camp, small RV camp. And I, you know, if I don't think I said it, but let me make it clear, this band sounds exactly like they sound on their album, and they were phenomenal. Yeah. And they put on such a show for two hours for us. My gosh, we didn't get home till like 2 o'clock in the morning that night. It was really great. It was uh, nice to 
uh, go to a venue like this. And we found some new bands that we really enjoyed. These are, you know, real, like, these are bootstrap bands. This is like the storefront for me. This is storefront yeah, it's, it's, music, it's right? It's nice to experience music that's not, like, super mainstream yet. And yeah. But, but feels like it's on its way. Also, uh, the first band that we can think of in a very long time where you and I have 100% been in agreement. That's that we, rare. It's that's very rare. rare. That we it's both like a band. Yeah. Very rare. Jason. I don't know. like any new band. If there, it's a band that was formed after like 1996, I probably yeah. don't this really is, listen to it. <laughs> this is the first band that Jason in the 21st century has <laughs> actually enjoyed. So uh, give them a listen. Find them on Spotify. Find them on Apple Music, wherever you're listening to music. Just give them a listen on your next drive. I think you're really going to enjoy them. Susto. They're fantastic. Yes. That's it for this week's episode of the RV Miles Podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, as we say every single week, instead of asking you to go over to RV Miles and leave a review, we are just going to reiterate again that we would love to invite you to join us on the America's National Parks podcast. You can go over there, subscribe. If you are subscribed already, consider sharing an episode that you really, really like. Kind of consider sharing that around your social media and letting your friends know, hey, this is a great way to learn more about our public lands. If you do enjoy the show, consider leaving a review over there. Again, it helps put America's National Parks in front of a whole new generation of listeners. So thank you so much. We're looking forward to seeing so many of you in just a few weeks for homecoming. But as the camping season begins to wind down, please continue to stay safe, stay healthy, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.